and welcome back everyone to just another day in sports. My name is Justin Berger and we have got plenty of storylines to get to. As always, I'm joined by Alec Heiser and Doug Watley. Let's start today with a little college football talk, gentlemen. And what a beautiful day we have to sit inside and talk about college football. It could not be any more disparaging outside. 35 and raining, we don't even get snow. It'll turn into snow. It better. <sighs> All right, let's start with uh, the Hoosiers, who, in your opinion, Mr. Keezer, won the bye week. Let's <laughs> Dude, talk about that. How can they? How can you say they didn't win the <laughs> bye week? We go into the bye week unranked, obviously, and we come out of the bye week as number 24 in the AP poll, right, and number 25 in the coaches poll. Yep. This is the first time in 25 years that the Indiana Hoosiers have been ranked in the top 25 as a, as a football team. We're a football school now. Yeah, and like you said, 25 years. That's crazy to think about it. It's the, uh, the Power Five conferences. It's the biggest streak. The other one's like 2007. It's so, Purdue in 2007. Yeah, 2007. And then so add on an extra 13 years to that, and there's Indiana. But not anymore. You know, Tom Allen has created a program where it is more than just games. It's it's a culture, and they believe, and it's, it's very fun to watch people with the energy, the players that the it, uh, all the energy that they have, and just the the whole program is turned around. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. So let's let's focus in on next week and the week after that specifically, because next week we are in Happy Valley, a noon game, not a night game. Because I don't know if Indiana is quite the caliber for a Happy <laughs> Valley night game yet. But Penn State away next week, and then in two weeks Michigan at home, and then three weeks from now Purdue at home, which should be a win. So next two weeks are the ones that are really a toss-up. And we saw Penn State as a team that maybe they would not be ready for us. Some people were calling it a trap game. I think I think that's the way all of us were kind of looking at it, is that we kind of expe- expected, expected Penn State to roll into this week undefeated, and Minnesota kind of stole our thunder a little bit. Right. So now going into, a, going into one of the hardest places to play in the country versus a team who just lost— and probably won't probably isn't bad enough to lose twice in a row. It would be really it's it's hard to look at that Penn State team coming off a loss on the road mm-hmm. and saying okay they're going to come home and lose to the backup quarterback of Indy. I can, not that Peyton Ramsey's a normal backup, but it's just like I would feel a lot more confident about this game if they had just squeaked one out in Minnesota. Right. So they don't have the chance to. We're going to talk about that in a second, but what are Doug in your opinion, what are the some of the keys to the victory to win? on Saturday. Well, there's no Penix, obviously, so he's out for the rest of the season. I think that's new news since our last podcast. I think it came out like an hour after we recorded yeah. last week. So old news, but in our podcast view, new. So uh, obviously Peyton Ramsey taking a spot. He's been here before, but doesn't have the talent that Penix does, but he's been proven to win. So for that, I think he needs to show his experience and manage the game, control the ball, because Indiana in the past years... They've done a horrible job with time of possession, but this team has found a way to establish a run with Stevie Scott and then take the long ball whenever it comes. So establish the run with Stevie Scott and then Ramsey. Just use his experience. Even if Penn State goes up 14 to nothing, don't say it's over like right away. Play the whole game. And, you know, this team is very, very talented. Obviously, Penn State a little bit more so, but these are two equals, and it can definitely be an entertaining game. I think if you take a look at the way the Colts played the Chiefs I think it was like two or three weeks ago where they just ran the ball down the Chiefs throat and just held the ball for basically like for most of the game 
I think that's the way you have to look at it if you're Indiana. I think you want to dominate possession in this game. And it's really hard when you're going into a place like Happy Valley. But just keep the ball like in your hands for, I don't want to say a majority of the game, but for a decent amount of time just to keep yourself in it. And I think Stevie Scott's got to be, like, continue to be as effective as he's been this year. Yeah, and Happy Valley is one of the most or the hardest play, places to play. So if the crowd gets into it, which it will, it's going to be a big, big test for the Hoosiers to maintain their uh, just – calm attitude and say hey you're gonna get touchdowns we can match it right back so the response to the, the way that Penn State plays will be big for yeah, this is this is an important game for the Hoosiers even if they don't win it only because the last time they played a team of this I'll say this caliber in quotes but like a top yeah. eight or ten um, college football playoff team was when they played Ohio State and they got the doors blown off them yeah um now that was what week three or four I think it was or I week thought it was five. week like two week three or four yeah, I, I don't I think, think it was week. week two. It was early. Yeah, yeah it was early. It in was the season. week three. Yeah. yeah, week three. But um, I think let's see how much this team has grown. Let's see if they can take on the challenge of going on the road in in the Big Ten and playing a team that's more talented than they are, but not necessarily better. I don't. I, don't, I mean, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. I'm struggling yeah. to the, find the words here, but Indiana can play with this team. So well, let's see what thing, they got. The thing I look at for this game is you know there's obviously specific players that need to like Wap needs to just go off, but. The uh, Indiana's offense is one of the best in the nation, and they've scored against good teams as well, or good defenses, I should say. Penn State obviously has a great offense, and they have a really good defense, but not a great defense. So there is an opportunity for Indiana to score here. This game for me really comes down to what Indiana defense is going to show up. And, you know, Tom Allen's on the sidelines, and he is a defensive coordinator by nature. So I'm feeling good about this not letting Penn State get it out of control. I agree. I think it'll be—I don't know if Indiana will come out with a victory, but I definitely—you're going to see a much closer game than you did when I, you put Ohio State. I agree. I, when I look back at the past three weeks, you have at Maryland, at Nebraska, then Northwestern. Northwestern was kind of— a different style of game. It was at home and Northwestern's Northwestern's talent. terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are terrible. They're they just... lost to Purdue at home this weekend. They're right. bad. But against Maryland and Nebraska, both games on the road, the defense gave up 28 and 31 points. So that's not horrible, but you're going to try to limit that as much as possible in the offense. They have to combat that with uh, more points on the board. And they were both road games when they gave up those points. But, you know, Rutgers team, they gave up zero. But Rutgers is a laughing Rutgers stock. Rutgers um, all right, are we happy with where we are with the Hoosiers? More than with, happy. With nine wins, a possibility. Of, uh, well, there are bowl games floating around, but California and Florida are where we're more than likely going to be playing mm-hmm. in the postseason, and I don't think you can be asked for more than that And with, at this program um, for now. For me, like I, I, I would say I'm satisfied but not completely happy because, like, I mean, we could very easily be sitting here at 8-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, they very easily could have gone in and beat Michigan State, right. and so I mean, it's it's picking nits at that point. You're looking at Indiana Hoosiers team that's ranked for the first time in 25 years, but they could be better. There is, um, there are no limits to where Tom Allen could take this team, in my opinion. I agree. I think I think Indiana's a hit, or I use a hidden gem for for football. I had I had the pleasure of interviewing Fred Glass last week, and the things he said about Tom Allen. Were, just made you think like we hired the next Nick Saban. What do you say? Like, do you remember what he said exactly about him? Well, he said that what news have been coming out lately about Florida State's job just opened up because Willie Taggart got fired and Tom's right. uh, 
from Florida. From Florida is coached in coached high school in Florida, and he was the defensive coordinator at USF, I believe, for a year. And he was a name that was on Florida State's watch list. And Tom Allen said to me, uh, or not Tom Allen, sorry, Fred Glass said that uh, even before the season started that he was going to extend Tom Allen no matter what. He wasn't waiting for the team to win six games or get to a bowl game. It was he knows what kind of person he has in this in this head coach. And he also 80 freshmen on the team out of 115 players, 80 freshmen and sophomores out of 115 players. And those where we're getting the majority of our talent. So I'm very excited about about Tom Allen. And we can we have the money to pay him. Obviously, our athletic department can afford it. And we haven't seen a really great football coach here since Hep and 15 years ago. So it's very exciting. And it's just the energy that he brings is bar none. Yeah, he's a great coach. X's and O's. But above that, the energy and how much he puts into the program and being a student here and just watching that and seeing what it used to be a couple of years ago when we didn't have that, change it to now and you see the success come as part of it, it's it's a great thing to see. Well, I just think you even hear it in the stories about him. Like, I, I can't, I, I don't think I've heard a single negative Tom Allen story. Agreed. And yeah. we're only getting better and we're only getting more talent and everybody's just starting to believe even more. I think it's just the beginning of Tom Allen's the, tenure The here. transfer, uh, the last thing I'll say about this is the transformation on campus about IU football is kind of just this laughing stock to holy shit we might win nine games and get to an awesome bowl game has been amazing to watch. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's, it just pro- continues to like project northward. Like I just feel like next year we're gonna be better. And I'll say this too, when Michigan comes to town, we we'll talk about that more next week. But what that's in two weeks, mm-hmm. and it's the start of Thanksgiving breaks. It's the first Saturday of that break. I've heard many, many students say, you know what, like, I think or I might push stay my for that flight. game. Yeah, or push my flight or change my drive. Exactly. I'm considering not flying back on Thursday night and staying for the Michigan game. And Indiana football would never have convinced yeah. you to do that in the past. Never, not once. Especially against a team like Michigan, which usually blows, I mean, the past couple of years it's been different, but is talent-wise above Indiana. But this year it could be a very, very good game, and students want to see this team play. I agree. All right, let's move on. Game of the Century Part 2, LSU-Alabama, and it did not disappoint. This game was so much fun. This was, I think, besides the Florida game that I went to, was the first game that I did not, I sat down and missed, didn't miss a single snap. Um, And holy shit, can these teams score when they want to. Joe Burrow, in my opinion, assuming LSU does not win, and I know you want to talk about this, Keys, or assuming LSU does not lose, has cemented himself as the Heisman winner this year. What else does he need to do? Yeah. I, Nothing. Four top ten wins for this team, you're not going to find a team with a resume that even comes close to that. And no like, bad close. losses either. No. They're undefeated. Yeah, it's it's crazy the kind of season they've had. Uh, well, uh, for those of you that don't know, LSU won 46-41 in Tuscaloosa. Almost 1,000 combined yards of offense. It was just it was two it through for four hundred twenty yards on one leg. The best part about this is that Alabama was very very much in this game. Mm-hmm. There was a couple early mistakes. Uh, Tua fumbled, I think, inside the ten yard line on the first drive, or at least yeah. inside the fifteen. It was inside the five. Um, I think the, in Alabama's first three drives, I think they had a fumbled punt, like a, a fumble and like a three and out or something like that. It was just a really uncharacteristic start, but. I mean, man, these guys just threw haymakers at each other back and forth, which is which is why, and I think we're going to get into this a little later, I don't think this should – I mean, yeah, it obviously hurts Alabama, but I don't think it hurts them that much. 
Well, assuming LSU does not lose to the inferior opponents left on their schedule, they will go to the SEC Championship as the winner of the SEC West, and Alabama cannot. If Alabama, as long as Alabama doesn't lose to Auburn and remains 11-1, and and there's not an undefeated, this is where it gets interesting, because yeah. there could be an undefeated Big Ten champion, there could be an undefeated Big 12 champion, and at that point, you might have to consider them over Alabama, which they're not right. Well, I guess Ohio State technically the, right now. The wrink, the wrinkle is is Baylor. Yes, because they're sitting there what eight or nine? I they're, think or ten or they're eleven. At 12. They're at well, twelve. Well, in the AP poll, they're at twelve. But they could be an undefeated Big Twelve champion. Right. They would have to beat Oklahoma first I mean, to yeah, do that. It's a big if. But oh, they actually have to beat them twice because they play Oklahoma this weekend. <laughs> Um, so we'll see what happens. The Big 12 could get really messed up in the last couple of weeks. That's how it always is in the Big 12, though. Everyone seems to always play the good teams in the last three weeks of the season, which yeah, is yeah. which is exciting, of course. But let's finish talking about this Alabama team, then we're going to do top mm-hmm. six projections. Um, I mean, not Alabama, but the game. Najee Harris, I haven't watched a lot of Alabama. That dude's a beast, and he's mm-hmm. going to be an NFL running back for Oh, he's very years. good. And you followed Josh Jacobs too. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember Naja when Naja Harris first committed to Alabama, and there was the videos of him at like the Elite Eleven camps and stuff, just like juking out defenders, yeah. and like you just you could tell that kid had, had some serious quickness. So two things we saw from this game are probably the first two quarterback picks in next year's draft, mm-hmm. or the at least most fun quarterbacks to watch in college football. I think Burrow's stock is. Like, going I know he's. Up. I know Burrow's stock is rising. I know it's rising. I. It, I would be shocked if he was the second quarterback taken off the board. Uh, I, not that I wouldn't take. I would just be stunned. Who else, though? Jalen Hurts is up there. I, listen, I don't love anybody in this draft besides Tua, like in terms of like that type Next of— Next Bengals quarterback. That type Tua. of quarterback. Um, I think Burrow is really good. I think if I sat there and looked at the NFL like a little more, I'd be able to find a, a comp for Burrow that I felt comfortable with. I think he's a like average to—could be an above-average NFL quarterback, but I don't think he's going to— make that much of a difference. If you put him honestly, if you put Joe Burrow on the Bears, that's what I talked about yesterday yeah. with another with other guys. If you put Joe Burrow on the Bears, I I kind of like that. Here's what I see from Joe, Joe Burrow. As much as you might not want to agree with this, I think he's a version of Deshaun Watson. Okay, go he, on. He's a proven winner in college football, but players and coaches and fans like Keezer don't see necessarily him no. translating in the Dude. NFL and look at Deshaun Watson now. What are you talking about? No, no, no. People him, and Deshaun Wa- him and Deshaun Watson are co- a completely different okay, animal. But in that aspect, they are, where nobody believed no, that they would make that next no, step. No, no, Tell no. Tell me no, why not. No, no, no. Just, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just biased because I was all in on Watson and was shocked when he fell out of the top 10 and when he but wasn't the second exactly. quarterback taken. Um, I just, they're much different. Deshaun Watson, if he didn't tear his ACL, would have been a three year starter at Clemson. Joe Burrow had to transfer a couple of times. Joe Burrow also this lost season. a couple of big games. I know it's just this season. I know yeah. this season. But I'm just talking about body of work. I would still draft Joe Burrow. I just I, – I, from what I've been reading, like leading up to this draft, I'd be shocked if Herbert wasn't the second guy taken. Not that I don't like Burrow over Herbert. I just think that like people like Herbert. I see a lot of – I don't know. The way that I see it is Deshaun Watson was clutch when it came down to big games. And you look at – Burrow against Alabama, his last two possessions, touchdown, touchdown. And sure, Tua did the same thing right back, but I mean, they're both just great quarterbacks. So I need to see if if he leads LSU to a convincing national title, exactly. then we can have this conversation again. That, then, yeah. then, then, I then, think he's on his way, though. I, I agree. All right. So we got that. Ed Orgeron is probably going to win coach of the year. Who doesn't like coach? I mean, it's Everyone loves the him. dude is. I 
we I had to quiet the room down so I could hear his post game <laughs> interview just because it's so electric. But LSU, I'm looking at their schedule now at Ole Miss versus Arkansas, who is maybe one of the worst teams in the FBS. Arkansas lost at home by 30 to Western Kentucky this weekend and then fired their coach, who was just a nobody. And uh, then Texas A&M at home. So their last road game is next week at Ole Miss, and Ole Miss has been pretty average this year, so that's not a worry. I think LSU will go into the SEC Championship undefeated and represent the SEC West because they're not going to lose two of these games. Um, So that's who you're going to see in the West. You're more than likely going to see Georgia in the East. And the winner of that game will go to the college football playoff. Yeah, uh, Georgia is more than likely not going to lose to Georgia Tech, and I think they still have uh, Vanderbilt left on their schedule. I don't think it's getting too challenging yeah. for them. All right, do you want to do you want to briefly talk about Penn State, Minnesota? Or do you just want to jump into the top six because I'm kind of itching to get after the. I do want to get into we, the top six. I do want to say do this, to, though, yeah. because I've, P.J. Fleck deserves credit, and he's going to get looks for that Florida State job as well. But the, the what he's done, his career arc, first at Western Michigan and now at Minnesota, it took two years at each place to like get accumulate the players. But then in that third year, they hit the ground running. Minnesota is a serious, serious threat to get to the college football playoff. Serious. I don't know about that. And, yeah. I'm, and well, Doug, Doug and I, Doug and I just looked at each other and trying to tried to find the words to to combat they what, have, what was just they said have there. They have Iowa and Wisconsin and Northwestern left. They'll beat Northwestern. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. The Wisconsin. Don't write off Wisconsin. I'm not writing off Wisconsin. I was about to write off Iowa I'm because not. they can't score enough points. Don't write off Iowa either. I look. We all agree though. If this Minnesota team is undefeated. I mean, yes. the undefeated Big Ten champion gets, gets I mean, if it's Ohio State, yeah. which I, I think most, most likely it is. Right. But if it happens to be – if Minnesota is an undefeated Big Ten champion, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. So, I mean, that that just that win last week was just very convincing. And it was gritty, too, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Because they, they had every opportunity in the fourth quarter to just die and lose. Yeah. And it looked like they were going to for a second, but they, they rallied. And I think the big test is next week. In Iowa City, they can easily have a letdown game because all their emotions and everything was into Penn State. Now that they beat them, how are they going to respond and come back playing on the road? So That is the definition of a trap game. Exactly. That I is, think it'll be a very, very good game. Uh, I think Minnesota can pull it out, but they really need to come prepared. That's that's a that's a 4 o'clock game on the road in the Big Ten. That's going to be – that's. That'll show us whether or not Minnesota is like. I mean, Minnesota just proved they were for real by beating Penn State, so that's stupid. But I mean, like, it, can this Minnesota team now shake that off and continue to move forward, or are yeah. they going to have a letdown? I believe they have one of the best get you ready for a big game coaches in football. Oh, I agree. I'm That'll all aboard the Fleck train. All right, two one more thing before we do uh, big uh, projections. Big um, picture. Big picture. Ohio State regular season rest of the schedule. The probably they'll be number two in the nation after tonight. Um, at Rutgers, that should be a throttling. <laughs> Bet the over and the spread in that game. Um, Penn State at home and then on the road in the big house back-to-back weeks. That's tough no matter who you are Yeah, as a team. Uh-huh. So there's a chance we see Ohio State falter and lose a game in the end of this season. Yeah, that would that would make things very, very, it, then we very get interesting. If, if, if we have only three undefeated teams, then... That's when people start losing their minds. Yeah. All right, let's All right, let's jump. Let's in. do it. Um, let's first. I want to know your top four for this week. All right, I can go first because. Uh, all right, it's got to be LSU. 
uh, number one. Obviously, they just knocked off Alabama in Alabama. Joe Burrow, like we just talked about, front runner for the Heisman shooting draft stock. Their defense also makes a ton of plays. Their running back Clyde uh, Edwards Alaire, yeah, I think is his name. Um, put on the dirtiest spin move I've ever seen on somebody in the backfield. Um, yeah, they're number one for me. Number two, Ohio State. They didn't do anything to to change that. Yeah, they just scored seventy three points. Exactly. Like- um, number three, I'd leave Clemson undefeated, uh, defending national champions. Still have Trevor Lawrence, obviously, ton of playmakers on that team as well. And then I think at number four, you still have Alabama. Uh, they, I mean, they lost at home, but they lost at home to the best team in the country by five points. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Um, I do want to say just a quick food for thought. Georgia just let Justin Fields walk because they didn't really they were more comfortable with what they knew in Jake Fromm than what they didn't know in Justin Fields, which I guess I get. But like I feel like you I need... knew what you were getting with Justin Fields. Like that dude was mega talented. Oh yeah. I mean he was the number one player in the country coming out. Um or at least the number one dual threat quarterback. I just I don't I, I there had to be some behind the scenes stuff. I don't know. I, there yeah. it just something seemed off. And it and just to to take Fromm who just brought you to a national championship or, or to a college football playoff and then to to move away from him would be a bold move. I I don't know if it's one I, I would have made personally. Just you take a look at those guys in that room, and you have a, a sophomore or junior coming back as opposed to a freshman or a sophomore. It's a tough decision. Um, I mean, both guys are talented, but I think Fields is the more talented player. You just, like you said, you didn't know what you had with yeah. him. Yeah. All right, Doug. So I'm going to agree with you on that, but I'm very, very close to moving Oregon into that number four spot. And – they're so talented. They haven't lost a game since week one. They beat USC on the road. They beat Washington on the road. Those are their biggest tests. And the thing is, Alabama, I'm still going to put them ahead of Oregon just because of who they played and how they lost against LSU. Like, it was a close game. They almost came back. But Oregon, nobody's really talking them as much as SEC teams. They're 8-1. and one. They're in first in the Pac-12. Haven't lost a conference game. They Their only bar- loss was on a neutral site to Auburn. Game exactly. One, so. And so Alabama, who's that four slash five that I have, is going to play Auburn week or the last week of the season. So that game's going to say a lot about what happens between these two teams. So for me, I'm exactly the same way. I got LSU and Ohio State one and two. I think they've proven themselves to be the two most talented teams in the nation. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> this hasn't happened all year. Um. Clemson, I haven't. Clemson plays in the ACC, which is undoubtedly, in my opinion, the worst Power Five conference. Worse than Pac-12. Yes. Yeah. Look at the Pac-12. You got Utah and Oregon yeah. in the po- top ten. That's the fair. top eight. That's fair. That's fair. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry about this. Uh, Clemson, I don't like, and I would move them out if they didn't win the national championship last year. But I'll keep them in for the soft guys on this podcast. Um, Alabama at four, I agree with, but stipulation. If Georgia beats Auburn in Auburn this weekend, I think Georgia moves up past Alabama and takes that four seed. Again, a one-loss Pac-12 champion in Oregon or Utah could probably sneak into that playoff eventually. Minnesota as a undefeated Big Ten champion. Let's let's now move on to all the possibilities <laughs> of this year because I this think that's where hours. we're going. But an undefeated... Big Ten champion is without a doubt in, and we have two chances for that with Minnesota and Ohio State. However, both have to play two good teams before their season ends. Ohio State with Penn State and Michigan, Minnesota 
with Iowa and Wisconsin. So there's chances and, for both those teams to fall off. And, and then they have to play each other. Right. And we've seen the big or the uh the committee be a little more lenient to a one loss non SEC champion than a one loss Big Ten champion. Last year we saw that. Mm-hmm. So there is some ground room. The Pac twelve we haven't seen in the playoff in years. The so, Pac twelve needs a lot of help. I I, I think you need I just teams in front of them need to lose. Alabama needs. I, I don't know. I I think you need if a, a one loss Alabama team I think gets in the playoff. Let me throw out a wicked scenario here. Yeah. All right. Alabama goes undefeated the rest of the season. They finish their season eleven and one. Mm-hmm. LSU goes undefeated. They finish twelve and zero. Georgia finishes eleven and one. Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship. Georgia is a one loss SEC champion. Georgia gets in. I know where you're yes. going with this. That, if that scenario happens, do Duke we see three. LSU, Georgia, and Alabama in the playoff? No. Then, then that 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 eliminates Alabama. Pro, I would agree I, with that. That that's where this win, this LSU win in Tuscaloosa. Not that it didn't mean a ton before <laughs> that, but in that scenario, that win means everything. That I mean, you can't justify three teams, especially if you're sitting there with an undefeated Big Ten champion and an undefeated Clemson and a one-loss Oregon. If the committee does that and chooses three SEC teams, the nation would go aflame. Not I, in the South. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. But I mean, you got to give other people chances. That's you do this playoff rankings to you know choose the best tier of teams, but you got to make sure everyone has a chance yeah. to get in. But also, honestly, if if Baylor can somehow beat Oklahoma twice and they're undefeated, then I don't see Alabama getting in either because you can't keep out a, an undefeated Big Twelve champion who beat the best team in their conference twice i, I don't know i for me you like does that uh, does that put oh, baylor, baylor in baylor's over got alabama? good wins too they had a gritty win against iowa state they won in oklahoma state they just won a a wacky game at tcu and they've still got to play texas on their schedule who is yeah. not as good as they're supposed to be but they're still good so and they're still texas yeah and a 12 and 0 i guess yeah a 13-0 big 12 champion has to get in with that resume Right, but I don't think this year it's Baylor or bust. It's Oklahoma's oh, probably not getting. Yeah, in. a one-loss Oklahoma Big Twelve champions not jumping a one-loss Alabama yeah. team with right. a loss that was, which sucks because the Oklahoma offense is a dynamic doesn't even do it justice. Honestly, I think best like the most fun case scenario for me would be Alabama gets bounced and has to play Oklahoma in, in like the Cotton Bowl yeah. or something. Yeah, would you not want to see Jalen Hurts awesome. play against yeah, that Alabama that would be again? Awesome. You're right about that. Yeah, so maybe maybe Oregon gets really hot and the committee goes to them. Maybe this Georgia happens to knock off Clemson and Alabama gets bounced. But I don't know. I'd love to see Alabama play Oregon or Oklahoma, especially with both of them only having one loss. Let's do talk about Clemson though, because they. I'm just gonna. This is another segment I like to call Justin Reed's schedule. They have played Georgia Tech. They won Texas. They won Texas A&M when Texas A&M was the 12th ranked team in the country, but we know they're not that good anymore. So they got a Georgia Tech win, an A&M win, a Syracuse win, a win against, I don't even know what, the Charlotte 49ers. That's a tough team. UNC, FSU, a UNC team that they almost lost to, FSU, Louisville, Boston College, Wofford, NC State, 
and now they play their toughest game of the season <laughs> against the mighty Demon Deacons of Wake Forest. Dude, who made this schedule? What Clemson has, and it's not even... Cl- that's how bad the ACC is. Their schedule is a joke. And the only reason, in my opinion, that they are ranked third in the playoff is because they won last year. And that's just, I don't like that. But it also, eh. it's not necessarily their fault. You have teams like Louisville, who used to be a top, consistent top 20 team. And Florida State. Florida State. Texas A&M was Syrac- early in the season. Syracuse, Syracuse was also was great last year. supposed to be a lot better this year than they ended up being. BC had been ranked in the past. South Carolina is an SEC team that hasn't been good in a while. Right. But, I mean, you're still playing South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, it's just... Georgia Tech used to be a whole lot better than they are. They're getting back. They got a new head coach, Jeff Collins. He's yeah, just they're, they're the, like the ACC is just extremely weak. Do you penalize Clemson for that? I think yes, if you have you, penalized other conferences in the past. I think if other if there were a bunch of other undefeated teams and I think Clemson was kind of fighting for a four spot, they'd be in trouble. They could very well be fight just because even if they're not losing, they still could be moving down because other teams are garnering big time wins and they're out here yeah. playing Wake Forest. It's just hard if they if they go undefeated it'd be hard for for the committee to look at them. Yeah, I agree with that. And they're more than likely going to be pl- it's probably already set that they're going to be playing Virginia yeah. in yeah. the I mean uh, you're you're getting one of the hottest quarterback prospects of the last ever. Yeah, I mean <laughs> regardless of whether it was warranted or not, you're getting a Heisman caliber running back. You're getting talented NFL draft worthy players all over the defense for Clemson and offensive line. You're getting arguably, if not the best coach in college football today, right now. It's just, it's hard to look at Clemson, even though their schedule is so weak, and say, you're not in the playoff this year. They've won 30, or in their past five games, they've won 35 or more points each one. Yeah. I mean, no, there's no question. They're playing against nobody, which is my point. Yeah, Yeah. with the exception of the UNC game, they are handling their business. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So the main point from this segment, which we will continue to do until we actually know the playoff, is there are, in the top 12 teams, I think 11, it saddens me to say, because the only team not in the top 12 that could get to the playoff is Florida, I think. (laughs) Florida's 11th, and I don't think that... Can you say that one more time? I couldn't hear you. Florida has no path to get to the playoff this year. Florida would need... I don't even a lot of losses by a lot of teams. A lot of so, but the other eleven team, maybe not Oklahoma, but the other ten teams have a path to get to the playoff, which is awesome. Yeah, very exciting. And it'll probably limit itself to eight, seven, maybe next week if a couple lose. But that's part of the fun, and then you you, debate between those teams. If Oklahoma knocks off Baylor, they're probably done. Baylor is done. Then they effectively eliminates the Big Twelve. Right. Um, so if you're a Big 12 football fan, you're rooting for Baylor this weekend. Uh, anything else before we move on? Next week, like I said, it's Georgia-Alabama game, oldest rival or Georgia-Auburn uh, game, oldest rivalry in the South. So another very exciting college football game. Cue the CBS theme song. Um, but college football, we're in a good place. Yeah, we we're are. All, we're all in a good place. Starting to cook football. with gas. Uh, let's move on to NFL. What a wild weekend for us. The three most miserable football fans on the planet, and we go three and zero. When was the last time all three of our teams won in the same week? I don't know if the well, I'm talking about I, the Jets. We have start with them. we have one <laughs> win Falcons, in yeah. week two. Did you guys win week two? We did. No, we did not win week two. All right, so it hasn't <laughs> happened this year. Um, oh, I guess we'll start with the Falcons. I guess at the very least, Dan Quinn probably saved his job till the end of the season. I don't get this team at all. It's 
I, I tweeted this the Falcons are the most confusing team in football. This is a this is the game that I expected to see all season long for the Falcons. The the amount of talent this team has, this is what I expect to see. Limited New Orleans to three field goals, arguably the most dynamic offense in the NFL when Drew Brees is healthy, which he is, and Kamara's healthy too. And they scored three field goals. That's it. Defense was unstoppable. They had six sacks, which totaled their season high. Where was this team all I, year? I don't know. I don't know. Brian Hill, who's the third string running back, ran for 60 yards. Matt Ryan didn't even throw for that much. He ran for 100, or threw for 180 yards, but they were just effective, and the defense slowed New Orleans down, and the Falcons marched down and was methodical all, all game. And uh, young, I don't know how to say his name, Koo. Kid went to Georgia Southern. He's our new kicker. He's four for four from field goals. So it's just, I, I don't know what to, th- like, I'm very happy to beat the Saints whenever, wherever, but it, this is takes us out of contention for the number one pick more than likely because the Bengals aren't going to lose well, more than once. I don't, I mean, I don't think the Bengals win are going to win. Yeah. I can't, yeah, win is that once. team going to win a, a single game? No, I don't think so. I don't think like, so. I don't even have to look at their schedule to Me tell neither. you probably uh, not. They're Awful. So, like I said, they're probably going to get two us. This this Falcons team is so frustrating because, like you said, coming into the year, this is the team we thought we were going to see. This mm-hmm. is the team we thought was going to compete for the NFC South. Um, who's probably going to go back to the playoffs? Matt Ryan primed for a big year. The offense primed for a big year, and then it just kind of didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, in Week Ten, they just decide to <laughs> manhandle the Saints in like, New Orleans. In New, in New Orleans? Orleans, I don't like. Yeah, confused. This defense that showed up, I haven't I haven't seen this defense since the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was about to say, in probably four, three or four years. Yeah, it's it, it was incredible to watch. Michael Thomas had a big game, but like that, was that guy always has a big game. Did. Just, he kept him out of the end zone. That's a big right. Plus. Not giving up a touchdown. I don't know when the last time they've done that is. Not give up touchdowns. Got to be a few seasons. But it's it's I don't know. It's just it's kind of disheartening, honestly, to win that game by seventeen points and then be like, oh my god, we're two and seven, and there's really unless we win eight in a row, no chance we're going to the playoffs. Um, and I don't see that happening. No, but sorry, buddy. It was uh, you know, like I said, anytime the Falcons could beat the Saints, I'll be happy. I think it was just a little flashback for you. Yeah, it was nice. Well, I'm sure the Saints will come back and beat the Falcons by seventy at home for the Falcons on Thanksgiving. Um, Bears. Yeah, so they beat the Lions. Former Gator quarterback, Gator great Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, because Stafford was ruled in all, or injured before the game. So that really was not expected. But then the Bears came out a little bit shaky at first. Once again, the booze at, Rig- or at uh, Soldier Field came out. Did you just say Wrigley? Yeah. <laughs> um, but That's very telling. They turned it around. You know, Mitch Trubisky threw for three touchdowns. Sure, he didn't look great. He only threw for 173 yards against a Lions defense that is average, not really great. But that's positive. That's a step in the right direction. David Montgomery had an off game, only 60 yards rushing. Nothing really happened there. But the defense, once again, limiting. Yeah, the Lions defense or offense with Driscoll is not what it could have been with Stafford. But once again, they came out, performed well. But... It was more of a morale boost. You know, this is a team that needed a win. They <laughs> lost what four, four straight. The Bears fans needed a win more than anything. Well, Stafford's been putting up really, really good numbers this yeah. year, like legit. I don't know five numbers. starter numbers this year. It was scary because the Bears never pulled away. They only won by one touchdown. Yeah, and Eddie Pinheiro missed an extra point, so it could have been eight. And so it was very, very. Like it was not an easy win for the Bears. Yeah, I will say could have been the over under in that game was thirty eight points. And it hit. 
No, the under hit. Yeah, the under hit. It's just like if you watch, if you sat down and watched that game, I feel bad for you. <laughs> I but... did. <laughs> All right, the only question I have coming out of this because even if the Bears make, they're not, this team's not winning the Super Bowl this year. I think we can agree Correct. with that. Well, no. Potentially. What do you do at the end of the season? I guess what do you do with the draft? Do you take a quarterback next year? I'm waiting. I, I don't know yet. I want. I want to watch the end of the season because I see Trubisky have days like this, and if he does that on a week to week basis for the rest of the season, I'll stick with him. Yeah, I mean, I think we're past the point of believing where Trubisky's going to be the guy that's going to throw for 300 yards, and that's really not who he was scouted to be. Right. But like this game, he threw for less than 200 yards, dinked and dunked for three touchdowns, and got the job done. In 2006, when the Bears went to the Super Bowl, Rex Grossman was their quarterback. Yeah, also a Gator. <laughs> they don't need a great quarterback to be like. Or actually, they do need a great or good quarterback, but their defense can carry them. You and need a guy that can stay on the field and score points when you need him to score. And you need a guy who can keep the ball. Like yeah. Trubisky just does. Like, he just, I don't know. He just doesn't do the like make smart plays. So if you were if you were the Bears GM, if you were Ryan Pace, he's in the worst place possible because his team is. Directly in the middle. I think I think if a guy like Joe Burrow falls to them in the second round or third round, then you're sitting there with a decision to make. But We're, I don't think the Bears are reaching for a quarterback only right. because they took Trubisky two years ago. And so it's like if you're gonna dra- if you're gonna spend the draft pick to go up and get this guy, which they did, you like two years isn't long enough. You got to give him another. year. Do you guys even have what's your first pick this year? Is it a second rounder? Yes. Okay. Khalil Mack. Uh, the Raiders took it from us. Yeah. And they're going to use it to their advantage too because they look great. The Raiders yeah. are there. John Gruden's vision is working out. Yeah, it is. Um, before we move on to the rest of the NFL storylines, let's talk about the Jets, the Battle of New York. New York. Yeah. New <laughs> York. Jesus, I hate my team so much. This was a this was a must lose game for the Jets. This was a terrible game. This is just an awful game. I don't have anything good to say. I, I, we won. <laughs> I mean, I spot started Daniel Jones in fantasy, and he had a great day. Yeah, he so. did. Jamal Jamal Adams, like again, probably the but the only bright spot of my football team. Again, played really well. I just uh, I don't have fun watching this team play at all. They're just I, not fun. I did not watch this game. Uh, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't really watch this game either. But looking at the stats, I see obviously Barkley. Uh, he didn't do much. He was that. I think didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. Pat Shermer Shermer came out after the game and said he was a little banged up, which I think is yeah, a and I think ginormous it, understatement because anytime you feed Saquon the ball thirteen times, he ends up with one yard. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Can you? Is there a way to explain that sideline? No. Saquon Barkley. 13 carries, one yard. He was hurt. It definitely wasn't the Jets' defense who got absolutely torched. Yeah. So, I don't know. I hope he gets healthy. Yeah, obviously. The only thing that happens for the Giants is Saquon Barkley and a potential for Daniel Jones to be good, but... It just, like, Darnold looked okay. Like, the receivers were all right. Bell was eh. They beat the Giants They scored 34 points. The problem with this season for the Jets is that you guys thought it might be the season. The, I, we got a little ahead of ourselves, yeah. but I also think we were. It just I feel like we we're not teased by Darnold, but just like, oh, just, maybe a little teased, maybe a little yeah. bit. Like I just feel like he should be a little farther along than he is right now. If he's supposed to be the guy everybody says he is, I don't know. I just I I'm I know, and it's still early. And like I, we said, um. Like I just said for Trubisky, I think the Bears took him like two years ago, and so you need to give him a little time. I think the the, the Jets took him two two years ago. Um, oh, I think Darnold's more fit to be an NFL quarterback. Oh, me too, me too. Trubisky. I don't think that's yeah. yeah I, I think you give him way more. time in an offensive line. Uh-huh. I think you're going to be very I pleased. Just, mentally, I don't I don't know if he's got that 
that killer instinct that I'm going to win no matter what. I'm the best no matter what. Um, that the same thing I see from Deshaun Watson, what I see from Mahomes, what I see from a guy. I don't know. It, it just it, it feels like something's missing with him. It also would come with confidence, too. When you start winning games, because that's what happened with those quarterbacks you just named, they got help around them that Darnold doesn't have yet. So maybe if that happens, then he might have that confidence. Yeah. But what this wait. I also don't think Adam Gase is the right guy for this team. No, and poor, and, Adam Gase shouldn't be allowed to be in a locker room. That guy's that guy's has no idea what he's on, doing. He was good with the Bears. I he's a good offensive, offensive co- he's a good offensive coordinator. I just he just says the wrong. Oh, he consistently says the wrong things. It's, I agree. I there's no other way to put it. Yeah, he's a he's a like a weird guy, and for him to be the face of your franchise, one of the faces of your franchise, you can't have that. He's just not. He just doesn't have enough. Like I don't know, person. I don't know. I just I I need something more. I, can I, say, yeah. so, I need yeah, something more from him. I need something more. All right, I want to touch on the Raiders because we did talk about John Gruden. The Raiders are five and four this the year. Raiders. Um, and their schedule, their Bengals, Jets, Jaguars, and Broncos are all, and the Chargers. They're all still on their schedule. That's five games. They still have the Titans and the Chiefs on top of that. And this Titans team is completely different than wow, but. That's five winnable games to put them at ten wins and be a very viable candidate for a wild card spot. They can, they or even the they can AFC steal West. the AFC West. Yeah, yeah. Stealing my thunder There's, for later. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we both just brought it up, so we should yeah. kind of at least mention it That's a little fine. bit. We could talk Chiefs, Chiefs, Titans, but that division very, very quietly is winnable. Very winnable. I mean, the 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 Chiefs have. Absolutely no defense. No, it's Swiss cheese out there. Yeah, and Mahomes. I mean, unless he's scoring fifty points a game, and he's trying, they're going to lose some games. He put up. He threw for what? Over three hundred yards and three touchdowns. Uh, he threw for four hundred fifty <laughs> yards yesterday <laughs> and three touchdowns, and almost led them back Patrick. to a tie at a field goal. Yeah. Dude, they, they put him in they, position. They get the ball back and they're down three, and in two plays are in field goal range. Two plays. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I do. Let's finish talking about the Raiders. Then I do want to jump to that Titans game because it was awesome. But this John Gruden's evil genius plan, we're starting to see it work. His guys are in there now, and his guys are working. So maybe it is good that they signed him to a ten-year contract because yeah. it only took him what? This is year two, right? So by year three or no, year this four, is, isn't this year? No, this is year two. Yeah, it's year two. So wow. we'll see him kind of get that plan. Uh, up yeah, yeah, yeah. their losses this year are also good losses. Mm-hmm. Kansas City at Minnesota, at Green Bay, at Houston. So what 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 are you mad about this year with the Raiders? You, you can't, can't be. You can you as a Raiders fan. Like if you're a Raiders fan, you have to be looking at this team and just being like, I, I, "This is everything I wanted and more." Yeah, like, I, like you you could not have expected this from them this year. You got anything on the Raiders? You want to move on to the Titans? I'll save my ta- my talk for, for later. later. All right, Titans. Well. Chiefs are now six and four, four and one in away games. This is their first away game loss, which is an interesting fact, given that they play at probably one of the hardest places to play in the, football. The loudest, yeah. Um, Tennessee is now five and five. That team's so playing confusing. Ryan. So here's what I'll say about them: Ryan Tannehill. I think this is his third start with them. Fourth start, something like third that. Third start, fourth game, maybe. Um, he is what this team needs. The Titans do have a good defense led by Vrabel, mm-hmm. um, and they have the most underrated running back in professional football. Agreed. Derrick Henry ran the ball yesterday 23 times for 188 yards and two touchdowns. The key to this team winning 
is feeding Derrick Henry and dumping it off when you need to, which Tannehill is more than capable of. He's starting to look like that guy who played for Texas A&M. He's starting to look like that guy that took the Dolphins to the playoffs twice. It This team has the ability to win games. It's just they just need to stick to their formula, which is defense, ground and pound. The quarterback is not going to win you the game, and they need to accept that. This is an awful, awful, awful look for Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Because Tannehill has come in and he hasn't like you said, he hasn't played great, but he's he's done enough. He's kept the ball enough. He's made enough plays. He's handed the ball off to Derrick Henry enough to to get them wins. I mean like I, I can't figure this team out at all. Like I, I just I don't understand this team at all. Well, but, they are they are again a very conf- a confusing team. They have a very tough schedule the rest of the year, but their formula is working. Yeah, and they're a team that in the past has always been up and down, and they win a a great game like a game against the Chiefs, and then they'll come back and lose a game. So it's I'm not convinced yet, but I do like the the direction that they're going, and they're a fun team to watch too with Tannehill. Yeah. Well, as long as, yeah, if they're scoring something I mean, with the Mariota team, sometimes they come out there and just look like a peewee football team. They exactly. don't even complete a pass. Uh, Ravens have the most dynamic offense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Agree or disagree? Mm, I think I they have Lamar. the most dynamic player, and they have the opportunity to do a lot of dynamic things. But I, I, they're not, they need Hollywood Brown to emerge a little more consistent first before I can anoint them that. This but, is, uh, we have to prerequisite. With this, with they played the Bengals yesterday. Yeah, they played the Bengals. But the coolest thing I saw yeah. last weekend was the Heisman package, where in the backfield you had RG3 and then, or not. Which RG3. is hilarious. Well, yeah. RG3, you, which you is had, hilarious. You had Lamar Jackson playing quarterback, and then flanking Jackson on either side was Robert Griffin the third and Mark Ingram, which is th- three former Heisman winners. And the play was a play fake to, to Ingram, and then... Lamar Jackson and RG3 ran the speed option to the outside. Like It was incredible. And he pitched it to him, too. Yeah. <laughs> he gave it to him. This was definitely, without a doubt, from the evil genius brain of John Harbaugh. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they the Ravens scored 49 points in three quarters, and then Robert Griffin came in and played the fourth. This game was over before it started, obviously, because it's the Bengals. But the Ravens are 7-2, and two, and they've scored – I think they've scored – at least 49 points. They've scored at least 40 points three times. Can I go out on a limb here and say something? Please. I think That's what we're about. I think Lamar Jackson has put himself in front of the conversation for NFL MVP. In the front? Or in the in, front. Huh. A1. Okay. I, I mean, think, I agree. I, think, I couldn't tell you another player that I'd, like, off the top of my head, they'd be like, no, 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 there's this guy. I don't have that thought. Potentially I, I th- Wilson. Yeah, I think you can you can argue Wilson. You can, I mean, if you look at what McCaffrey's doing, just by the sheer numbers he's putting up, you could you could put McCaffrey in there. But uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson's been, uh, I mean, he's been the most. He's been a player, player that people have said is not going to work for a running quarterback in the league, and it it's been proven before that it doesn't really work all that well. But he's made it like work for the Ravens. There's a lot of. Uh, Running from him, he saw a spin move earlier. That was a dynamic play. That's quarterback, play sh- of the year. quarterback shouldn't be able to just take off like that. No, it just does. Like, like, could you imagine if Tom Brady had four four speed? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's not that's oh. not the same, but like, I mean, yeah. this guy can sit back in the pocket and launch the ball sixty five yards, or he can just sprint past you. Yeah, the thing they don't talk about is the fact that he is an unbelievable passer of the football He's as an, well. Yeah, and his field vision's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So this team's good. Again, 
we preface it, they were playing the Bengals. The Bills, I mean, not the, well, yeah, I guess the Bills, the Browns as well. But what I said is the Browns saved a chance to save their season. They, if they lose this game, they're two and seven. They won, they're three and six. So there's a chance they can push for, if they, they got to probably win out, but there's a chance they can push for a playoff spot. They got so lucky in this game. It was unbelievable. I think at one point they had eight plays inside the, the Bills' three-yard line and failed to score a touchdown. I, Fred, the only thing I think that happened in this game is Freddie Kitchen saved his job for one more week. Probably. I think that's about it. That's I, fair. They're, they're, just, they're just not good. All right, you got to give them credit. They beat a good Bills team. Sure, they didn't really play great, but a win's a win. So for them to go to three wins now through Week 10 is something else. Something's interesting to note, though. They play the Steelers two out of the next three weeks, and the Steelers have been very good Steelers recently. Steelers are like the hottest team in football. So uh, this win for the Browns to beat the Bills before they face the Steelers, it's a big confidence. It was a nice team. little win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost the next three. To the Dolphins in between the Steelers? Dolphin, oh, Dolphins' hottest team in football. The Dolphins are Two the hottest in team in football. Two in a row. Tell they me re- otherwise. I was I was 9-0 and in my suicide pool, and I took Indy last week. Yeah. Do- no, and now I'm 9-1. Um, but yes, the St- the Steelers are playing at fans, and that's actually segues perfectly because that's the next team I wanted to talk about. The Steelers had a gutty win against a Rams team that has completely lost its identity. Micah Fitzpatrick, I think Minka. since coming Minka. Minka, Minka, Mike. <laughs> I, you're right. I should know who he is too because New Jersey boy. Yeah, kid's incredibly talented. But since coming over to Pittsburgh, he's got four interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and two touchdowns. That's pretty. I good. think, and I think that's not counting. I think he got like had something at the end of the game too. I think that was total was from the middle of the game. And so that's been that's been the either him or Marcus Peters has probably been the most effective trade so far. Well, Steelers in general were dead in the water. They were 1 and 4. They've rattled off four straight wins against the Chargers, Dolphins, Colts and Rams. Three of those teams are borderline playoff teams at the very least. Um I, I'm impressed with what I've seen from Mason Rudolph in this year. James Conner hasn't been healthy. Juju Smith-Schuster hasn't been what he's supposed to be. And this team is just winning gritty football games. And no starting quarterback either since yeah. the start of the season. Yeah, the defense is a lot better than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be, and, and it's like keeping them in a lot of games. Well, I think this the storyline for this year for the Steelers were, okay, we've got Big Ben, he's old. We're not. He's not going to be as effective as he was, but he can win us football games. But this defense is going to keep us alive in football games. Mm-hmm. Big Ben can go out there and sling it when he needs to, but this defense should be able to stop people. And they have Watt is one of the best players in the NFL. TJ TJ yeah TJ yeah. is one of the best players in the NFL. He was an absolute steal out of Wisconsin. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the losses on Pittsburgh's schedule, I'm sorry to steal your. Your segment here. Yeah, please. Alec, read some schedules. But they <laughs> lost week one at New England. They lost at home to Seattle. And then they went to San Francisco and lost. And then they beat the Bengals. And then they lost to the Ravens in OT. Yeah. So their four losses are New England, Seattle, San Francisco, and Baltimore, who are all four of them are playoff teams. And mm. if Seattle and San Francisco weren't in the same division, all four of those would be division winners as well. Yeah. And they're probably, they're in my opinion, four of the best yeah, teams in football. They're four yeah. of the best six teams in football yeah. probably off the top of my head. So... You, I mean, there's, there's, and Mike Tomlin again is just saving his job yeah, year I, by year. I was, I think, I, I think I need to apologize to Mike Tomlin. Yeah, yeah, because because I've been on the Mike Tomlin isn't a good coach train for a while, and he's just 
This he is wins. this. Yeah, I mean, wins. This, this has to be this has to be Mike Tomlin because this team's young too. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Mike Tomlin. I apologize. A couple other things. Dolphins, like we said, beat the Colts, and uh, the Colts didn't have Brissett yesterday. But Brian Hoyer should have been more than enough to get that job done. Yeah. Brian Flores could very well win Coach of the Year. I remember no. after Week One when they lost, and just like. My dad telling me that, like, I know he just got killed, and I know it looks really bad, but I love Brian. My dad's a Dolphins fan. Um, he's just like, he just kept telling me how much he loved Brian Flores and what he was preaching and, like, the culture there. And just like, he knew it was going to take time. He knew they weren't going to be good this year, but they really liked the coach they had in place. And it's already starting to pay off. I don't, I mean, obviously, Miami's not going to make a ton of noise this year, except for, like, blowing up other people's schedules. But I think that there's someone to definitely look out for next year. All right. So. Colts lose. That's a big loss for them. Um, that drops them to five and four. It's, I can't figure out their division now. Yeah, it's probably the. It's Texans. Gotta be the Texans. It's gotta be the Texans. Yeah. Let's see what uh, uh, what's his face, Foles does when he gets back next mm-hmm. week. That's true. Yeah, the Jags. The Jags somehow are are still in it. Yeah. No, they are. That I mean that division has reverted back to just being completely average, like it always has been. Packers. Panthers. Packers with Kyle Allen are a legitimate threat to be a playoff team. McCaffrey can just do everything. Um, but Kyle Allen can sling the ball. He was 28 for 43 yesterday with 300 yards. In the Touched snow. Him. Yeah, he played well. Uh, another gritty win for the Packers. They're 8-2. and two. They're a no-doubt playoff team. They're yeah. legit. Mm-hmm. This, is the best, this is the best Packers team we've seen maybe since the Super Bowl year. Their defense looked a little bit better than they have in the past. Only 16 points. That, they've been giving up 30-plus, so yeah. for them to get that, that boost is nice. Um, Rams Steelers we talked about, and then last night Vikings went into Jerry World and won a big one. The Vikings are seven and three. They're on top of the uh, NFC North, and they're no, they're pl- not can, yet. Can the Packers are? Oh yeah, the Packers. Can you continue Packers. to call it a big one when let's not forget three weeks ago Dallas lost to the Jets? Well, I mean, anytime you go into Dallas and win a football game on a Sunday night, no less, and it's the, a big win. The Vikings. Like, why isn't Dallas better? Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a legitimate question. I know why. I know the answer to that Please. question. Jerry Jones doesn't know the answer to that question. Well, I think Jason Garrett needs to be. Fired. It's Jason Garrett. Yeah. The answer to that question is Jason Garrett. That you look could, at this. He's, look he's at needed this, to leave for for three years. From I think more than that. I, like he was an interim head coach. Yeah. Like that's all. That's that's where it should have ended for Jason Garrett. But for the Vikings, they don't win big games. Kirk Cousins does not win in prime time. No, he ever. doesn't. Ever. So for them to win by four in Dallas in a tough environment, sure, rip the Cowboys all you and want, with but no, for the Vikings, and with no Adam Thielen, yeah, like the the Vikings had a great game. They yeah, and it's it. not like yeah, it's not like any of their offensive players had a spectacular game. It's just they they played better. Delvin Cook did have a very good game. He led the team both in rushing and receiving. Um, He's a stud. Next year we could see Jason Witten become the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys if they continue to. You lose. You think that's why they brought him back? Probably. Or Tony, what about Tony Romo? Tony Romo, I think, is getting paid too much money by CBS to leave that job. And getting praised too much by the media. Yeah. Uh, also, another name, they could promote Kellen Moore, but that offense hasn't been as good as they wanted it to be. So, a lot of possibilities. Um, tonight, Tonight's an awesome football game. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait a week to talk about it. It's Seahawks at 49ers. Yeah, I know. Who, and the 49ers are probably my... Not probably. They are my NFL team. They're the team that I'm probably the most confident in. Yeah. And so I have a lot personally riding on this game. Um, I Russell Wilson. I I agree. Actually, Russell Wilson is probably the other guy, the MVP, the other guy in the race. Um, he's just had such a great season. And this has such been a such classic Seattle season. Like I feel like I'm watching this team five years ago. The defense is back. Uh, the offense is doing 
the perfect amount to just win football games. Their only losses are to the Saints and the Ravens. It's not like they're beating or they're losing to bad football teams. They're they have it's very it's very exciting. Football football is feeling righteous and whole again. And we're moving into December. It's just going to be fantastic. To give a classic college basketball term, the weather is getting cooler, but the action inside is just heating up. Indeed. Anyone have any last-second football thoughts? Mm. Three? No, that's all I'm saying. Find me another head coach. Find me a head coach. Find me a head coach, and I'll find me a head coach as well. All right. Uh, Let's briefly, briefly, since we are a college basketball school, we're going to have to skip the NBA this year, or this week, unfortunately. But IU, 2-0, a very convincing win week one, uh, or I guess game one. Uh, who, who did we play week game one? Western Illinois. Western Illinois. And then uh, yesterday, against or Portland, two days ago, Portland State. Portland State. Portland State looked gritty out there. Portland State looked good. And I think Indiana, their defense, they, they allowed 74 points to Portland State. So that's something that they'll have to tune up. But Portland State made some tough shots and made some good moves in the post. So sure, Indiana needs to tighten that up a little bit, but... They were for real. Um, let's talk about best performances from the first two games. Thoughts on that? Al Durham, Al Durham, and I'll start with Al Durham in game one. He didn't miss a shot. He I, made... I, I checked the box score after that game, and I was incredibly impressed. I did not expect Durham to come out and shoot the ball like that at all. Well, there's a lot riding with Durham. He's a junior, and he was voted captain, so that was a big step for him. And He's been okay his first two years. He's been a fun player to watch, but really did not stand out talent-wise. Yeah, my, in my opinion, Al Durham, besides Juwan Morgan last year, Al Durham was probably the leader of that team last yeah. year as well. He's, he's a vocal guy, yeah. and people seem to love him. But for him to come out in his first game, go 7-for-7 seven seven from the floor, made all four free throws, also four rebounds, three assists, so it did a lot of positive things. And then Justin Smith. And this is a guy that needs to have that great season he's already a junior he's extremely athletic and maybe that's why he's having great games so far because he's not facing the defenses that can slow him down but early on his first game he had 24 points and then did I think like 16 in the second game Mm -hmm. so a lot of positives from him just a a two good games to start the season but take them for what they are it's against Western Illinois and Portland State Trace Jackson Davis had a double double against Portland State Mm -hmm. uh good to see and Joey Brunk has played a great game. You know, big guy yeah. for us on the boards now that we don't have Juan mm-hmm. Morgan. I will say, from a, as a taking a look at more of a big picture uh, perspective with this IU team, it's pretty encouraging to see them like putting up points and especially shooting the basketball the way they have the first few games. Um, I think with Archie, he's already shown us that the defense will be there, um, especially as the competition gets better because we've seen them defend better teams with worse players. Um, I I still need to see uh, somebody come out and just establish themselves as an alpha scorer. Maybe I just haven't watched enough of the games, but I just need somebody who's going to go out and get 12 or 15 I can count on. I need to see that first, but I'm really excited for this team. Devontae Green could be that guy. He's yeah. been hurt, so I think that will be part of the reason that he comes back. But uh, like you said, a lot of positives. You look at the front court with uh, Trey Jackson Davis, Joey Brunk, and then Deron Davis. All great players have height, um, and it's just a lot of fun just to see Indiana basketball back. We talk about the football program, but you know the Indiana basketball—it's always going to be number one, no yeah. matter how good the football team is. So to see Assembly Hall filled again, it's it's fun to see. All right, last week Champions Classic, the Cheaters at University of Kentucky beat out Michigan State. 
Uh, they the cheaters won. at the University of Kentucky. I mean, if you're telling me Coach Cal doesn't violate NCAA no. rules every second of his life, you're lying. No, he doesn't. Me. Look at everyone. He doesn't. Else. I mean, he doesn't. Hey, yeah, everyone cheats, but he should have been caught by no, now. No, yeah, exactly. Which means he's probably not doing anything. Um, so Kentucky won, though. That's the most important part that they beat the number that was, one, the number one ranked team in the nation again. It was all right, we were, well, they were twenty four hours into being ranked number one. I I will say this: Michigan State comes into the season being ranked number one overall and loses one of their starting guards until January. Right. Um, I think Joshua Langford. Joshua Langford. Joshua Langford. Joshua Langford's out until January, and so take. The starting guard, starting upper class guard out of any starting lineup in the country, and they're going to be worse, especially the number one team in the country. You're relying on them to do so many things, but this Kentucky team is extremely talented. They have a mix of young, young freshmen. They have sophomores. This is this is the Kentucky. This is the John Calipari team that will go out and win the NCAA tournament. I I I can see the pieces already there for this team to be. Very, very, very dangerous in March. Tyrese Maxey, 26 points off the bench. He's, He's a killer. A freshman. He's a killer. And did that against the number one team. And Cassius Winston guarded him most of the game, yeah, too. Yeah. The pull-up he hit to ice the game reminded me of the Jamal Jamal Murray shot over UNC um, the beginning of the season, like two or three years ago when Murray was still with the UK. Um, yeah, this this Kentucky team's going to be very good. I think the more interesting game, honestly, was the first one from that night. That was Kansas and Duke. Kansas turned the ball over 28 times. 18 times in the first half, and still, I mean, they they hit a, they banked in a three at the buzzer, but they still only lost by by two points. Yeah, I think that says a lot more about Kansas than it does about Duke. I think Duke played really well defensively, but if Kansas can hang with the Duke Blue Devils at, after turning the ball over 28 times, and that's scary, encouraging, very scary um, for the rest. of I the, do want to say about Michigan State. Cassius Winston came in. They played last night against the uh, Binghamton Bearcats. It doesn't matter, um, but. His brother died mm-hmm. earlier in the day and came out and played 26 minutes, 17 points, 11 assists. Just shows you the kind of gamer this guy is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- you know. Prayers out to the Winston family. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but this team, this Michigan State team, could be very, oh, I mean, very Michigan State will- without a doubt. And, you know, the season doesn't really start till January anyways. Um, so, Kansas-Duke, we already touched on. That was a big one. There haven't really been a lot of big-time games. Florida did lose at home yesterday. Mm-hmm. Florida, who was a national championship hopeful, lost at home to Florida State. And this Indiana team plays Florida State in, I think, on the 3rd of December, so a couple weeks. I think that helps IU a lot more than it hurts Florida, honestly. I, yeah. Obviously, the loss like, doesn't feel good for Florida, but we're in November. It's early. Um, people, f- are, like, people are going to forget about that I loss. Was about once, to say. Once, like you said, the season doesn't really start until January, like— Florida will be there. Many yeah. people don't even know that they lost. Yeah. No, it's it's true. It's, it, they lost on a Sunday in the middle of November. People were too busy watching the Dolphins beat the Colts. Yeah. I will say that Arizona is also a team to keep an eye on. Yeah, assuming Sean doesn't get arrested. Um, NBA we'll get to next week, I promise. There's just too much football we yeah. have to All talk right, about. Big, big quick hit storylines real quick. Um, Gordon Hayward is out with a fractured hand. Um, he just deleted <laughs> okay, Celtics fan. <laughs> John Collins, John Collins got to with for twenty five games. Yeah, um, and then Dion Waiters had a panic attack on a plane because he ate an edible. Too many edibles, and he's been suspended for ten games. Yep. Um, so those were the big storylines from last week. Again, we're not ever, ever really going to do a game by game with the NBA. Just this league stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. League. Keys op- overreaction of the week. Um, I think I have two. Um, I think I already said one, and nobody really overreacted. But Lamar Jackson, front runner for MVP. I don't really know if that's an overreaction or not, but um, I don't think anybody would have expected it five weeks ago. So yeah, 
Lamar Jackson for MVP. And then also my my biggest overreaction of this week is Ryan Tannehill is back. Capital okay. B, capital A, capital C, capital K. Tannehill is back. He's winning games. He's got his swagger. He's he's running all over the field. He's trucking guys to get into the end zone. Look out for Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill is back. For me, I'm going to talk about something that we already did, but the Raiders, they're winning the AFC West. And this team already played five straight games away from their home uh, field, whatever you want to call that thing. Um, but they're playing very, very well. They have Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr. And if you remember early in the season, and you're talking about Lamar Jackson five weeks ago, people didn't really expect him to be what he is now. At the start of the season, the Raiders were a reality show. Yeah, they had. They and, were. They, yeah, they, I mean, literally, they were on hard knocks, but they had Antonio Brown and Mike Mayock just butting heads back and forth. John Gruden just standing there, just being him, and nobody expected this team to be really good. But Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, uh, and just this defense too. It's, it's a great team, and they're gonna win the AFC West. I think the the Chiefs are gonna take a step back a little bit. Their defense is not as good. And the Raiders have a really, really good chance. Yeah, the Raiders are five and four, and the Chiefs are six and four, and they still have to play each other. Uh, my reaction, I'll I'll stick with what I was saying earlier. I think Brian Flores is going to win Coach of the Year. Uh, this team is not done winning yet, in my opinion, especially if Fitzpatrick keeps playing like he's been. Fitzmagic. They still have the Browns, the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals to go along with the Patriots and the Eagles. Those four games I mentioned are very winnable. Is it is it weird that my head just went WWW yeah, when no, you read all those? Not names? at all. They they will beat the Giants and the Jets, and they'll definitely beat the Bengals. I, all right. Do they want to? No, of course not. But that that gets you to if they win three of those, if they win three games, that's a five win team. If the Dolphins beat the Jets again, cancel the season, cancel Everything. the franchise. Yeah. Um. But like, if Brian Flores takes his team to four or five wins. Who are you giving the coach of the year to over? Maybe Sh- uh, Shanahan in in San Francisco. I mean, I, I mean if if yeah if Sh- if Shanahan's thirteen and two or thirteen Sean and three, Payton, maybe. Um, no, no. Well, I, he had no quarterback and they won yeah. every game without. They, they would need a lot of mediocre years. Flores would need a lot of mediocre years to win the actual award, but I think he does have a chance to get recognized for it yeah. because it started the yeah, year maybe started for next so year. Poor. And no, this guy this guy's got a real future in the mm-hmm. NFL. Oh, 100%. Just I agree with your dad 100%. Uh a little baseball talk from you on why you love sports this week. Yes. So last week on the podcast I was nervously checking my phone because I was less than 24 hours away from figuring out whether or not I was going to root for JD Martinez this year. Turns out, I think um less than a couple hours after we stopped yeah. recording JD Martinez opted into his deal with the Boston Red Sox and so I We'll be rooting for that man again in a Red Sox uniform. And I do want to touch on why I love sports before before I say that. But Julio Tehran, we did not sign Tinder his deal. So for the first time in eight years, Julio Tehran will not be our opening day starter. And I'm I'm happy about it because Tehran as a pitcher didn't really excite me. But Tehran as a person was a great guy for our franchise. And it will be sad to see him go. Eight years? So, yeah. Thank you, Julio Tehran. He started eight, eight straight opening. It was supposed to be Fulton Avich this year, but he got injured. Wait, Julio Tehran has started the last eight opening yeah, days I think, for Atlanta. I think uh, it was either Tim Hudson or Chris Medlin was the last pre-Tehran <laughs> opening Hudson. day starter. Tim Hudson was a unit, an absolute beast. So, why I love sports this week, though, we are at a pinnacle moment in IU sports in the in since Bob Knight was fired. Um, so since two thousand. 
Men's soccer just won another Big Ten championship. They can't they, be stopped. They're going to contend for another national championship for the third straight year. They play Maryland. Yeah. Um, oh, which is who they lost to last year, I believe. It's a one versus five matchup, um, seed wise. IU women's basketball ranked highest they've ever been ranked. You said twentieth, right? Twenty first. Twenty first. Uh, we were at. We both were at the game yesterday. They beat uh, Nichols State by sixty points. The team can score. Allie Papberg's a beast. IU football ranked for the first time in twenty five years, and IU men's basketball is playing encouragingly well. And the other swimming and diving is playing well. Like this, this campus is having an athletic uprise. It's hot. It's we're very hot. exciting. Stay so, hot, kid. That's why I love sports this week because, you know, coming to college here, I was like, all right, I'll have a good basketball team. But now I got all these programs. We're a football school. Yeah. We're a football school. Look at us. Look also at us. a good baseball program, too. Yes, as well. An incredible Very exciting. Program. That's coming up soon. All right, why do you love sports this week? And we talked about it earlier, but one angle that we have not talked about is Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh and their relationship. Ever since Lamar Jackson started to play better and better this season, John Harbaugh has been a great coach for him. And – you know, against the Bengals, the game was over. John Harbaugh goes up to Jackson on the bench. He goes, you know how many little kids in this country are going to be wearing number eight, playing quarterback for the next 20 years because of you? And it, as like, cheesy and cliche as that is, just to see that relationship and see a coach and player, a quarterback, uh, have that relationship and conversation, it's very fun to see. And it's, it's a good thing to have a big example for a lot of athletes. The best part about that interaction was that Jackson's response to that was, I got to win a Super Bowl first. Yeah. If you're a Ravens fan, like, I got tingly. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it today for us. Be sure to tune in next week for what looks like just another day in sports. I was walking down the street when out the corner of my eye I saw a pretty little thing approaching me She said, i never seen a man